Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. Hope you're having a terrific Wednesday morning on today's show. With the San Francisco Giants, Farhan Zaidi says that the Giants are still just two years away at least when it comes to their farm system. So will they spend this offseason? Well, Zaidi was on the TK podcast, Tim Kawakami's podcast, and I'm sure if you were listening to the station yesterday, you probably heard some of this, but the podcast did not come out till after my show was over. So, damn it, I'm going to share my thoughts on it. So that's coming up. Then when it comes to 49er football, I'm going to give you an offensive lineman that you should be rooting for. Kyle Shanahan talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, where he's going to go as he has made it past the second round of cuts, the third round coming next week. But I also want to talk a little bit of baseball and what happened in last night's game before we get to the big picture stuff, because Carlos Rodon was fantastic, but they did need to get some runs on the board, and Evan Longoria was able to do that in the top of the sixth. Hard hit balls tonight. There have been a lot of them for the Giants. The hardest of all was Longoria's single last time up. He hits that one high and deep to left field. Evan Longoria, it is gone. Rodon likes it. He golfed it right out of here. His 12th home run of the year, 3 nothing Giants. Credit to NBC Sports Bay Area for the audio. The Giants get the 3-1 to win over the Detroit Tigers. Now, things did get a little hairy in the bottom of the ninth when Camilo Doval came in for John Brebbia. As John Brebbia made it through the eighth, just skated through the eighth. Not really much of an issue there. After Rodon was fantastic through seven. Now, again, before we get to Rodon, because he had 10 Ks yesterday, only gave up five hits. Just gave up the one earned run. Seven strong. Just an unbelievable outing by Carlos Rodon. Getting his ERA to 2.81 on the season. Uh, But speaking of John Brebbia, I want to play this. Because we don't watch the Tigers broadcast. Obviously, we're out here in San Francisco. So we are watching the NBC Sports Bay Area broadcast. But they failed to notice something. Now, if you go to the end of the eighth inning when John Brebbia just simply swims through that inning. No problems. Three up, three down. Boom, boom, boom. But John Brebbia on his way to the dugout 
had to avoid something. It looked like he looked on the ground and skipped over something. Now, we didn't know what it was through the broadcast, but the Tigers broadcast coming back into the ninth sounded like they were a little salty with how the Giants had just been taking advantage of the Tigers in that game yesterday. Listen to this Tigers broadcast. They caught something with John Brebbia walking off the mound after the end of the eighth. Clean inning for John Brebbia, but... They haven't been spooked by much tonight, the San Francisco pitchers. But this Praying Mantis was slowly making his way across the Tigers' infield right near the mound, and Brevia noticed it, and look out. (laughs) (laughs) He's not afraid of major league hitters, but he is afraid of something that might be as long as one of the whiskers on his beard. So I went back and watched the Giants park because I was like, they didn't they didn't catch that, did they? They didn't catch that because as I was watching the game and, you know, you go back, you maybe watch a couple of clips. You try to get ready for the next show because that game was at 4 p.m. yesterday, which is a morning radio host's dream. Love that. If every game could be played at four o'clock, then I'd be one happy camper. But John Brevia having to avoid a praying mantis. If I saw a praying mantis walking off the, or when I was walking off the mound, if I was walking off the mound, yeah, I'd do that exact same thing. Praying mantises are unpredictable. Have you ever seen the video of the praying mantis? If anyone has ever listened to the Joe Rogan podcast before, now prior to, you know, everything that happened during the pandemic with the podcast, but prior to that, if you ever listened to it, you'd hear him go off on tangents about the praying mantis and them attacking like big insects praying mantises are no joke so shout out to the tigers broadcast bally sports detroit for actually pointing that out but it sounded like they were a bit salty because carlos rodon had just carved through that lineup again seven strong for carlos rodon just giving up his one run on five hits now carlos rodon he has just been giving the Giants every single reason to sign him back. Now, I don't know what Rodon thinks of San Francisco. I don't know what his family thinks of San Francisco. You got to take that into account as well. He's going to have his choice in free agency. Like, if he's not picking up the option, the reason that he's not picking up the option is not generally because he doesn't like San Francisco and doesn't want to stay with the Giants. The reason that he's not picking up that option is because he knows that he's going to be worth a lot more when he tests the market in free agency. Mentioned this last week, and I've been mentioning it after every Rodon start, it feels like, but his market value right now, according to Spotrack, granted, you got to take it with a grain of salt because it's Spotrack, which is the website that you use to look down all the contracts and how they break down, but he could be worth up to $30 million a year next year depending on whoever signs him. And wherever he goes, he's going to try to you know, get the most money. Now, the reason that people don't think that he's going to be re-signed with the San Francisco Giants is because the Giants don't seem to be willing to spend on big-name free agents. And that's actually going to play into something uh, that Farhan Zaidi said on that Tim Kawakami podcast, which I do uh, want to get to. But just Carlos Rodon has been unbelievable this year. It's his eighth game with double-digit Ks, I think he's passed his career number in strikeouts for a season. It's his career high in strikeouts for a season. So he's already done that, and we still have over a month left. Now, granted, some injuries have hurt him through his career, but still, 
the way that he's been pitching this season, just unbelievable. 186 for Carlos Rodon after last night's game. Like, he is giving any team that needs starting pitching a reason to give him that big money deal, but he's also doing the same for the Giants. I don't know how Farhan can watch what he's been doing for this team and not think, I we need to re-sign this guy. Maybe on their end, they're thinking, well, last year, Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt, those guys were both under contract years. And Carlos Rodon understands that it's a a contract year. And whenever a player is playing for that big contract, it's just different. It is. They have that added motivation. Like, they don't talk about it. You know, they say, oh, I'm not thinking thinking about the offseason. I'm I'm just thinking about where I'm at right now. You know, I'm just focusing on this season, focusing on trying to get the wins, focusing on trying to get to the postseason, focusing on trying to get to that sixth wildcard spot. Well, in the words of Gary St. Jean, I think any player who talks like that is full of baloney. Come on. You're talking about your contract. You're talking about life-changing money that you could possibly make into your 30s. Carlos Rodon about to turn 30. Like, you're thinking of life-changing money here. Of course you're thinking about the offseason. You're not only hoping to get a win. Sure, that's part of it. But they are thinking about that contract. So maybe the Giants brass is looking at it and, you know, maybe a little skeptical that after this year, is he going to continue on this sort of path? Because Rodon has been just as good as he's ever been throughout his career. Uh, Back in 2015, all the way up to 2019, this dude's ERA. Like, just going down the list here, 3.75 in 2015. 4.04, 4.15, 4.18, 5.19. That's all leading up to 2019. And then 2020, when he had the shortened season... He had an 8.22 ERA. Now, last year with the White Sox, 2.37. This year, 2.81. So you wonder if they feel like, well, we'd love to give him the big money contract and we love everything he's done for us this year, but can he continue this? Can he continue on with however long of a deal we give him? And I don't know what type of years he's looking for either. The reason that the Giants didn't give Madison Bumgarner the deal that he wanted is because he was also looking for a four- to five-year deal, and they just weren't willing to give him that. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant last year gets a seven-year deal with the Rockies. There's no way that the Giants were going to pay for a seven-year deal for Chris Bryant, especially at that price point. And the fact that you're going to the Rockies just shows that you really do not care about winning. (laughs) especially in the next seven years. It's going to take them at least seven years to get back into contention with the National League West. So I, I I wonder what the Giants and how they're looking at Carlos Rodon and his season and what reasons they're using as to why they shouldn't sign him again to a long-term contract. From the 510, from the 925, excuse me, Rodon will be a Dodger. They need starters. FF, I mean, you're not wrong, 925. Rodon could go anywhere. Rodon could go anywhere. The Dodgers might be uh, a destination for him for sure. All depends. All depends on what he thinks of San Francisco, what he thinks uh, with his family. But man, last year, or excuse me, last night, I said last year, last night, that game, like, can we just, instead of talking big picture, can we just appreciate the moment that was the ninth inning? Because Camilo Doval comes in, right? And when he is throwing his slider as much as he was last night, 
it just doesn't feel like he has the confidence that he should have when going out to the mound. Now, it's a 3-1 game coming in in a safe situation. So he gets Riley Green to ground out. Riley Green, the up-and-coming stud for the Tigers, gets him to ground out on a 3-2 count. Gets him to ground out on that sinker, that new sinker that Doval has. Gives up a double to Victor Reyes. Then there's a passed ball by Austin Wins. Victor Reyes goes to third. Then there's a mound visit. And after that, Javier Baez gets on on an infield single when he shouldn't have gotten on. So there's runners on first and third. Eric Hasse gets on with a walk, which was, you know, not necessarily intentional, but it was intentional. And then Miguel Cabrera comes up. With the bases loaded and one out, 3-2 count, and he gets called out on strikes. And Carlos Rodon spoke on that moment with Camilo Doval after the game. You saw what he did. I was just saying in here when when that bat was going down. I mean, he like shrinks his own, and I mean his plate discipline turns into like none other when when he gets in that position late in the game. The bases on. I mean, he's an, a triple crown winner, a future Hall of Famer, and for you know Camilo to throw that slider um, there to paint the corner. I mean, that's it's a heck of a pitch, and you know it's tough to retire him in a situation like that. I mean, they said it was his 200th career at bat with the bases loaded. So I mean, he has quite a bit of experience. Mickey does. A lot was sinker, sinker, sinker. Then it turned into sinker, slider. Then he started to really mix in that slider. He only threw the cut fastball once. And that's my thing with Doval is in his saves, I want to see him. The bread and butter for him is that fastball that he has. They count it as a cut fastball because it has movement going uh, inside. But I'm all about that fastball. I love the sinker being mixed in there, and I love the slider being mixed in there, but I'd much rather have the cut fastball being his primary pitch, the sinker his secondary, and then the slider, maybe that's one you use to keep the the hitter off balance. You know, I'd want to see that used the least out of those three pitches. So you didn't see that yesterday. I don't know what went into the thought process. There's a lot more uh, that goes into it. But just a hell of an outing for Rodon. Getting by Cabrera, even though there was two outs, it's kind of like, you know, Red Sox-Mets in 86. When you get by in Game 6, you still have a Game 7 to go. But it feels like after what happened in Game 6, it felt like that World Series was won that year. After striking out Cabrera with two outs and the bases loaded, and you have a nine-pitch at-bat and striking him out, even though there's one more out to go, you still feel like you won that game after that at-bat. Maybe that's not a great analogy to use, but I just watched Once Upon a Time in Queens, so give me a break. All right, on the other side, Farhan Zaidi says, ah, pump the brakes on thinking that prospects are going to get called up next year. You got to wait until 2024? We'll get to that on the other side. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. That's the new tagline now. Very creative, right? Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a happy Wednesday. All right. We got some Farhan Zaidi stuff to get to here. And the reason that I take a big gasp is because this might frustrate you this early in the morning. 5.20. Because as sports fans, it's very tough to have patience. It's one of the tougher things to do in sports is have patience with your team. Trust the process. That's what 76ers fans have been doing. And look what happens with the 76ers. By the way, shout out to Kevin Durant for staying with the Nets. Not going to talk about that to an extent, but my goodness. Just all of that for nothing. All of that for nothing. And no matter what anybody says about the skill level of the Brooklyn Nets, you know, whether Ben Simmons can get back to being an all-star type of player, because he's already he was one of the best defenders in the league. It was on offense that really we were wondering about Ben Simmons. Can he get back to that? Can Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and Steve Nash all work as one? To me, the way that it's shaping out right now, how turbulent everything has been, it's kind of how like how I look at the Cardinals this season. Like, how can you expect that it's going to translate into a finals run? Anyway. That's all I'm going to talk about with Kevin Durant. Just this guy. Unbelievable. Uh, But Farhan Zaidi, of course, Giants president of Baseball Ops. He was on the Tim Kawakami podcast, and he had a variety of things to say. Now, before we get to to anything on the farm system, his estimated time of arrival, because MLB.com actually updated their farm system rankings for the midseason. They did that yesterday. And the outlook is not looking great for the Giants. Now, Farhan spoke about having stars on the team. But first of all, he says the priority this offseason is not only going to try and get some stars, but also to get younger. We definitely, this offseason, are going to be looking to get a little younger, a little bit more athletic. And, you know, I, I shouldn't use the, you know, term younger especially at risk of, of being accused of being ageist. But I, I think it's more, you know, a healthier group, really, because age is only relevant in as far as it's impacting your health and or performance. And a lot of times the performance is uh, really directly related to your health. So I think just having a healthier group that's firing on all cylinders is going to be a priority for us. And uh, that was definitely an area that we felt we had some exposure this year. And, and it certainly hurt us. And that's part of why we've taken a pretty significant step back in terms of our record. So it's not necessarily looking to get younger. It's looking to get healthier. But Farhan, you realize that fans are frustrated with not having a superstar on the team, with not having someone who is going to bring you to the stadium every single game. Farhan, what do you think about that? This notion of, hey, you know, you want a young fan of yours to be able to go to the team store and buy a jersey and know that, you know, they can go to the park wearing that jersey for the next several years and feel like that's their guy. I think there's a lot to that. Now, you know, 
people aren't going to come to watch a team that isn't competitive. So you have to balance all of that. I think these things are, are, are all part of creating a compelling product is having a, a good competitive team that's playing important games. And again, having the type of players, you know, young fans and older fans want to go to the team store and buy their jersey and, and, and root them on. And again, I, I, I feel like we do have those players on this team and some of them just haven't had great years. So you might. You might have those types of players on this team, but the reality is these guys aren't stars. They were more, I'm not going to say one-hit wonders, but I'm looking at projections for the roster next year, and you know, if you're going to have Austin Slater and Mike Yastrzemski and Lamont Wade in the outfield, I don't think fans are going to be clamoring to buy tickets so they can see those three guys. Now, a star who is up there is Shohei Otani, and I'll explain the details of why that is in just a second. But when it comes to getting younger and getting healthier, I am going to remain and and say that they need to sign one of those free agent shortstops next year because you are going to be having a lot of these guys, whether it's Dansby Swanson from the Braves. I personally want the Giants to sign Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox. I think Bogarts has been fantastic uh, throughout his career, But the only thing is, he only wants to play shortstop. He doesn't want to play anywhere else. So I'm still going to remain and say, look, even though Brandon Crawford has his two-year deal and you still got him for one more season and you're never going to to try and disrespect him by saying, hey, we're going to relegate you to a bench role. But if you have to put Brandon Crawford on the bench at the expense of signing one of these free agent shortstops, then I'd do it. Because I personally have more faith right now in another shortstop free agent to come in and actually get some hits. Brandon Crawford was 0 for 4 yesterday. Again, He's fantastic with the glove, but it's what he does with the bat that's super frustrating. You can't have your guy who you signed to a two-year deal, you can't have him batting six, especially after what he did last season. Like Brandon Crawford... You'd expect him, after what he did last year, you'd expect him to be, I don't know, maybe the second hitter, the fifth hitter. I don't know about the third or fourth. That's a lot. But Brandon Crawford was awesome last year. I just don't see that motivation with him anymore. And you'd probably lose all motivation if you took him to a bench roll. But where's the leverage at? Hey, I'm Brandon Crawford. Like, I, I, I still think that next year, if you were to sign a shortstop, I'd feel a lot better about the way that the lineup was looking. And then Brandon Belt... Brandon Belt already said with that bunt that he had last week against the Diamondbacks, he already said, "Look, I'm I'm I don't have any confidence in myself." You don't you're not you're not going to have him at first base next year. Trey Mancini is going to be a free agent. Anthony Rizzo's a lefty. You're probably not going to be seeing him. He's from the Yankees, but if you can add a shortstop and a first baseman, take the place of those two guys. I actually like JD Davis and what he's doing right now. I want to see him do it till the end of the season. But if you have a new shortstop, you have J.D. Davis on the left side, and you have a new first baseman on the uh, uh, on the right, along with Tyro Estrada at second base, I'd be feeling okay about that infield. Now, the outfield is also the question. Can you improve that outfield? Because Lamont Wade, Mike Jastrzemski, and Austin Slater, I mean, those are three guys. I don't know if I'd feel confident with the with the, with the roster in 2023 if those were going to be the three guys that are out there. But... You also got to you also got to improve the infield and you got to improve the bullpen. 
So the question would be, which is the priority for these guys? Now, you could get two and one, a possible pitcher and hitter with Shohei Otani because the Angels owner, Artie Marino, is exploring a potential sale. That's what's being reported. But what the most likely outcome is, yes, he will sell the team. Now, he's had the Angels since 2003. I believe they've had two playoff appearances since then. They haven't won a postseason game since 2009, and they haven't been to the postseason since 2014. And the Angels, they aren't living up to expectations this year. You know, obviously Mike Trout had been out for a while. Shohei Otani has been fantastic this season. Just fantastic on both sides of the ball, whether as a DH or as a pitcher. Shohei is great. But the reality is, if you do sell the team, there's a likelihood that the new owner is just going to want to rebuild it. Like, if they spent all this money on what they considered quote-unquote premium players, and I'm talking about Anthony Rendon, I'm talking about Albert Pujols, not bothering to solidify that rotation, and then, of course, acquiring Shohei Otani and paying Mike Trout, they've done all this, and yet they still can't compete within the American League West, there's a real possibility that the new owner, whoever it is, comes in and says, you know what, we need to rebuild this thing, we need to tear it down, and we're just going to sell these players off. So Shohei Otani is going to be, I, I personally think that he's going to be a the hottest commodity in baseball. You're going to have to pay him a lot of money. But there's a real chance because he has one more year of arbitration left in his contract. <laughs> one more year left. And he's been in the league since 2018. But he'll be eligible for free agency after 2023. And you can acquire somebody still when they're in the arbitration year of their contract. So if you bring in Shohei Otani and Farhan says, well, the Giants, they have some stars now. Shohei Otani would eclipse any player. He would be more popular than every player in that lineup, one through nine, combined. Shohei would be box office, and he would make your team better. But the question would be, would you want to wait to acquire him in free agency? Or do you want to trade for him and possibly give up a ton of prospects in order to get him? Now, Farhan Zaidi spoke on that. This is from the Tim Kawakami podcast. He spoke on the farm system and where they're currently at because the outlook, it's not looking too bright until 2024. I'll get to that on the other side. And then we'll also talk some 49er football because I have the one offensive lineman that everybody needs to be cheering for going into tomorrow's game and also the running back situation with the 49ers. I want to talk about that as well because the way that Kyle Shanahan talks about these other running backs versus talking about Trey Sermon, I think it's an outlook on what's to come here with the running back depth chart. We'll get to that on the other side. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. It was a hot morning in August. I'm in the world, biggest little city, seen a girl with some... Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in. 
It's one of my favorite Mac Dre songs of all time. That third verse that he comes in with. Never heard him come in harder on any other verse. Even though there's plenty of other Mac Dre verses to go around. This is one of my favorite songs by him. One of my favorite artists of all time. Probably my favorite rapper of all time. I'm not going to do my top five list of rappers right now, though. I might do my top five list of Giants prospects. As I want to get to what Farhan Zaidi said, then we're going to close out the Giants conversation and transition to a little 49ers football because there is one offensive lineman out there that I think you should all be rooting for. I've mentioned his name a couple of times on this show, but Trent Williams spoke about him yesterday. Kyle Shanahan, the way that they talk about him, there's this one offensive lineman that I think everybody should be rooting for. So we will get to that. But... I want to continue on with the Giants here and spend a few more minutes because in the first half hour of the show, talked about Carlos Rodon and the possibility of them signing Carlos Rodon. Now, Rodon's given them every reason to possibly sign him to a long-term deal. You know, he just set his career high in strikeouts in a single season last night after he struck out 10 against the Tigers. Now he's at 186 on the season But you haven't seen the numbers like you have these past two years. These past two years, as he's been a two-time All-Star, also has been hampered by injury uh, through his time. But you haven't seen numbers like this, where he's throwing a 2.81 ERA, leads the league in games started. Again, leads the league. Like, 189 strikeouts already? That's just insane for this year. So, he's putting up career numbers in a contract season. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants front office is looking at that and thinking, well, can he? is that sustainable? I think that's a risk that you have to take. I think Carlos Rodon, it's so rare that you get a left-handed pitcher. And Dave Fleming spoke about this on the morning roast. But he was saying the reasons as to why he feels like uh, Rodon's going to get a bigger deal than Kevin Gosman. Well, the reason being is because the life of his fastball is going to most likely last longer than the life of, say, Kevin Gosman's splitter. Because it's, it's his number one pitch. It's the fastball. It's the one that you're used to throwing. So I think that's all the more reason for the Giants to re-sign him once he opts out of that $22 million deal, because he's going to be getting possibly $30 million elsewhere. So I'm not, I don't want to talk about Rodon, though, and the free agents and the superstars. I did mention that Shohei Otani could be available depending on what the Angels' new owner wants to do. Now, they are still potentially up for sale, and I put that in air quotes. You can't see me right now, but I do think that, uh, yeah, they're going to be sold. There's no chance that Artie Marino is gonna 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 continue on with control of this team. So the question is whether the new owner wants to rebuild or actually wants to, you know, sign their guys to long term deals and build their team around uh, the likes of Otani and you know continuing on with Mike Trout who has a full no trade clause. So we'll see what they do because all those guys are thinking about his money as soon as they come in. I wouldn't be shocked if they do rebuild it. So if if Shohei's available. I think Farhan needs to keep an eye on him. But I want to talk about the farm system. Because I don't know if you have listening to I don't know if you've listened to this program, but I love the farm system for the Giants. For the past three years, been going on about the farm system. 
Always paying attention to what's happening in San Jose. Always paying attention to what's happening in Eugene with the double-A team in Richmond, in triple-A with the Rivercats, although with the way that the minor leagues uh, are are positioned now, it's as if the double-A teams, they have more of the up-and-coming prospects. It feels like the triple-A teams just have a bunch of guys who are the quote-unquote 4A players, as you call them. The guys who are just mostly AAA players don't really take advantage of their time in the major leagues. So I'm always paying attention to it. And the Giants, their farm system was always ranked in the top 10. Now, it had dropped, and not at a significant rate, but it had dropped gradually. You know, so you're going from a top 5 farm system down to, oh, well, you're just in the top 10. You're within the top 10. Well, their preseason rank this year was 11. Last year, the highest that they got was 8 around this time when they had their farm system rankings. So again, this year, they were 11 prior to this season. Now, they are 18th with their farm system. This farm system that we're relying on, this farm system where the Giants are using their bargain shopping method In order to sign free agents, free agent pitchers specifically, we're waiting on the farm system, though. We got a lot of up-and-comers. They're currently 18th. And Farhan spoke about that on the TK podcast. He gave an ETA on the farm system. Prospects are still, you know, other than maybe Kyle Harrison and and Ramos, who's already in AAA, uh, you know, we have a group of guys in, in Eugene who may see double uh, A to end the season, but uh, it, it may not be realistic to count on them to be big factors in 2023. So we may not have that infusion of talent next year. It may be another year away. And so that's going to have to factor into our offseason plan as well. So not too optimistic, but Farhan then gave reasons as to why you should be optimistic, listing off some of the players. You, know, you take a guy like Luciano who missed a big chunk of the season and is back and we're really excited about him. You have a guy like Luis Matos, whose stat line is a little bit mysterious because, you know, people go in there and a lot of people still like the way the swing looks. And even from an analytical standpoint, when we kind of look under the hood, so to speak, at his exit velocities and the quality of his contact, it's all really good. So I think it's a mix of things as, as it always is. We still feel good about the overall town stock. Now, Luis Matos is a beast. Like, you hear that name, you look at the numbers, you're not going to sound too impressed because, to be honest with you, the numbers are not astounding. He has under a 200 batting average right now, although he's started to pick it up as of late. Luis Luis Matos has a lot of potential. Marco Luciano, I think a lot of people are skeptical on Luciano just because he hasn't been called up. I think think Luciano is going to be a stud. I do. Ever since he's come back in the month of August in high A, he's currently batting 318. He's only had a home run, but he's also had six RBIs. But 12 of his 22 at-bats, he has gotten hits out of it. So he's making contact. He has that power. The power will come. It's just a question of making contact or not. San Jose, they got a couple of players. They got this dude, Grant McRae, who whose dad famously is that guy from the 1990s who straight ran through the outfield wall. Rodney McRae was his name. If you haven't seen the highlight, I'm sure you have in passing because it's always on like the top 10 of the, you know, the worst crashes in history, in baseball history, you know, worst clashes. Then you have Rodney, Rodney McRae in the fence. But Grant McRae 
is a stud in San Jose. I want to see him get called up. Von Brown with the Emeralds. Like, Von Brown, you've heard me talk about Von Brown endlessly. Like, this dude, I mean, this guy can hit for power. He hits for average. He has uh, 20-plus stolen bases. Like, actually, I think it's 30-plus. He has 20-plus home runs and 35 stolen bases so far. Von Brown could be awesome. And apparently he plays the outfield like Eric Burns. I love that. So I do have faith that these players can get called up, but I can't help but look at one prospect in particular. And I go back to the 2019 draft because Farhan spoke about this on the TK podcast. He was asked about the pandemic, how that changed the development of their minor leaguers and how it affected them. So here's what Farhan's IED Giants uh, president of baseball ops had to say about that. There's definitely a feeling that the pandemic year and losing a minor league season has, has created some uneven development path. Now, to your point, there's still plenty of success stories in the minor leagues, you know, to the extent that we feel or, or there's a collective feel that we have, we don't have enough of those success stories. Yeah, that's, that's something we, we should assess. So it's part of it, but to me, the pandemic is no excuse as to why a guy like Hunter Bishop isn't called up right now. Hunter Bishop was the 10th overall pick in the 2019 draft. I believe it was Farhan Zaidi's first pick. Hunter Bishop. And I believe he's a local guy. Went to Arizona State, but he's a local guy. Hunter Bishop was the 10th overall pick. And within this draft, you had Adley Rushman from the Orioles. And right now, if you look at Rushman... This dude's a beast. Like, he's going to be one of the next great hitting catchers. So you got Adley Rushman. He's already in the bigs. The Royals with Bobby Witt Jr. He's already in the bigs. Andrew Vaughn for the Chicago White Sox. Cal guy. He's already in the bigs. Riley Green for the Tigers. We just saw him yesterday. He's already in the bigs. C.J. Abrams. He was involved in that trade for Juan Soto. He's on the Padres. He's already in the bigs. Shea Langoliers, if you're an A's fan, you know who Shea Langolier is, another great hitting catcher. He's already in the bigs. Hunter Bishop is the next player up, and I'm only missing up on two players, or three players, excuse me, out of the top ten. And Hunter Bishop is in high A right now. You can't look at the pandemic and say, oh yeah, the pandemic was the reason for his lack of development. At some point, you just got to point to the players and say, you know what, maybe they just didn't pan out to who we thought they were going to be. And even after that, Alex Manoa from the Toronto Blue Jays. Manoa has turned into a star in Toronto. An absolute star. And if anyone pays attention to baseball nationally, like you know who Alex Manoa is. He was the guy who called John Smoltz sexy live on the All-Star Game broadcast as he was pitching because John Smoltz said, give him a backdoor slider. And Alex Manoa goes... Oh, man, you're sexy, John. All right, I will go with that pitch. But all these guys are in the bigs. Now, after that, you know, that's when it gets a little thin. But if you draft a guy and he's in the top 10 and he was supposed to be as good as Hunter Bishop was, supposedly at the time he was the he was the best draft pick available, the most skilled draft pick available, and he was an outfielder. Everyone could use an outfielder. So I look at Hunter Bishop and just wonder what happened with the development there. 
You know, the 2019 draft is one that you could pay attention to because all these guys have made their first appearances so far. And Hunter Bishop, we haven't even seen him approach double A yet. As far as I know, I got to double check that because these guys bounce all over the place. Yeah, he hasn't reached higher than high A. It's been in Eugene. That's where his that's where his career has been. So I wonder what happened with the farm system down there. I wonder about their development. I do. I try to trust Farhan because that's all you can do. I try to, you know, you can only in, in life. This is just kind of my life motto, but really I try to control what I can control. And I know that Farhan has control of this team and I just got we just got to deal with it. As Giants fans, but seeing the development of some of these other guys from that 2019 draft, and then you look at Hunter Bishop and where he's at, it's pretty unbelievable because you thought that the Giants with their farm system, that's what was going to take them over the top. You thought that was going to be it. So going from one team whose hopes don't lie until 2023, 2024, I want to move on to the San Francisco 49ers. The, the 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 hang on real quick as, as we move on to the Niners. I just got a text, and I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I try not to get distracted from the Comcast business text line. It's one of those things as a host that I'm trying to get better at. But in all caps, and I couldn't avoid it for the six five zero. Yo, Steve, I watched that Teo doc last night. Crazy. It changed my whole outlook on him. Sad man. Yeah, the Manti Teo doc. It'll change your whole your whole opinion. I felt terrible for the guy. Felt terrible. He's done nothing wrong. Done nothing wrong in his life. And ends up getting catfished. That's the one thing that he's ever done wrong is getting catfished and getting fooled. Because that's what happened. But man, I'm, I'm telling you, you watched that doc. And it was really the end because after, you know, when he finds out that his supposed girlfriend, Lene Kakua, was on life support. That's the That's the part that got me. That's the part that got me personally. I don't want to give too much away just in case you haven't seen it yet and haven't read into the full story, but it is wild. So I highly recommend the Manti Teo doc. Moving on from the Manti Teo doc to another football story. (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to transition to the 49ers after that text. Uh, But the one offensive lineman, I teased this going into this segment. The one offensive lineman that you need to be paying attention to because the offensive line is in question. You know, Brian Baldinger said on the roast that the offensive line is a question mark. You got to be patient with it. But with how meticulous the play calling is, how meticulous the offensive line needs to be in the 49ers run game, there's going to be a lot of emphasis put on him this year. But it is a question mark. You got to be patient, but it's a question mark because there are a lot of younger players. Now, Mike McGlinchey, most likely not going to play in week one. So you're going to see Colton McKivitz out there. A lot of good things are being said about McKivitz, although I saw him getting beat consistently by Nick Bosa throughout camp. So I don't really trust McKivitz too much on the right side. The interior of the line, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford. Feeling good about Burford? Banks, not so sure. But Banks has taken up the left guard spot. And left guard was taken up by Lakin Tomlinson. Lakin Tomlinson was an Iron Man for this team. Didn't get talked about nearly as enough as he should have because he's an offensive lineman. Anytime you're in a job, anytime you're in a career where, I mean, me and me and uh, former producer of the morning roast, John Curley, we used to call ourselves the offensive lineman of the morning show because a lot is done that not a lot of people notice. And 
I'm looking at that left guard spot thinking it's going to be tough to replace Tomlinson. Can you do that with Aaron Banks? Not so sure. But this one dude, Jason Poe. Jason Poe. If you create a player in a video game, when you do that, you might just choose one of the uh, one of the listed body types that they have, or you might do a little custom made player where you try to make the proportions of this player unlike something that would be normal for that position. So, for example, if you were to make a quarterback, some some guys like creating a player, making them as tall as possible. Then you have an incredibly tall quarterback, or you have an incredibly short quarterback who just dices up defenses. Well, Jason Poe is not your typical size left guard. He is 6'1", 300 pounds. Jason Poe was an undrafted free agent out of Mercer. The College of Mercer. It's the first time I've heard of Mercer. But this dude, Jason Poe, is 24 years old. And if you see the videos that are posted, this guy makes plays. He's got low leverage already as Lorenzo Neal. Of course, he's going to be hosting the football hour with Sean Salisbury this season yet again. Or excuse me, he's going to be on the pregame as well with Larry Kruger. Lowe always says, low man wins. Low man wins. So Jason Poe has already got the size. Now the question is, does he have the strength? And he does. He's proven so far that he does. And in this third preseason game, you're going to be seeing a lot of Jason Poe in this one, I think. And it's going to be curious to see if he runs with the ones. He was running with the third stringers, worked his way up with the twos, and he's actually gotten some practice reps with the ones. Now Kyle Shanahan, you know, he he played dumb about the offensive lineman and, you know, who Chris Forster, the new offensive line coach, uh, puts out there. But Kyle Shanahan knows. And I think Jason Poe is going to be getting a lot of run. But when I heard what Trent Williams had to say about him yesterday, I love the way that Trent Williams describes Jason Poe here. 6'1", or whatever. And he could be 6'3", who knows? Could be 5'11", we don't know. But that naturally gives him leverage. And uh, he's explosive. He's a very quick guy. Even if you get him, he always has a chance to recover. Which is, um, you know, it's not common coming from an offensive guard position. Um, usually those guys don't have a lot of room to recover when they do have a chance to recover. But you just never really see that type of athleticism coming from the guard position. And I think that's why he's been successful because um, he uses his attributes to his strength and what we may see as his weakness. And then continuing on, on Jason Poe, Trent Williams. I definitely see it in his athleticism, his strength. Uh, I've seen it uh, this offseason, seeing his work ethic. You know, he ha- he has that, what they call that dog in him, he's stuff you can't teach. And uh, I think if he continues to, to stay on the track that he's on, I think he's going to be a good player in this league for a long time, a good player for this franchise. The way that he's able to pull across the offensive line, that outside zone run that they use, it's crucial for linemen to be athletic. And for them to being uh, for for them being able to run outside the tackles, and for a guard pulling outside of where the box is, like Jason Poe and his speed and his athleticism, he made he 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 had a one play in the last game. It didn't show out to be a ton of yards, but he had one play where he pulled all the way across the offensive line and somehow gets to the edge and just decks a guy. 
Like Jason Poe is someone that you should be rooting for here. And this could be a real success story if he ends up being a starter because the left guard position, as far as I'm concerned, it's up in the air right now. It's up in the air. One more on on Jason Poe from Trent Williams. Uh, When he was asked if Jason Poe always knew he belonged. I can't speak for him to say if whether he felt like he belonged. He lo- he always looked like he belonged. The confidence he plays with 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 his like I said his attributes, his low center of gravity, his natural leverage, and he's he's stronger than ox and he's quick as a cat. So having those attributes to me, I would assume that he know he belonged. And um, but it's still a long way to go. Um, you know, it's just first training camp. It's so much that he hasn't seen yet. You know, but he is definitely ahead ahead of the curve. Definitely playing a lot better than anybody could imagine being where he came from and the type of football he played last year. For him to be blocking Javon Kinlaw and guys like that from coming from Mercer, I mean, you know, pretty sure he didn't see too many guys that look like 99 or 91 or, you know, those guys. So um, the fact that he even comes out here and he's able to put his best foot forward every day and continue to get better, I think it says a lot about him. So these are... Jason Poe is one of the list of guys, on the list of guys who's making a case to be added to the roster spot, to be added to the 53-man roster. Now, one guy who I don't think is going to be taking a roster spot up is Jimmy Garoppolo. And I want to play this before we get out. Didn't really have enough time. Been rambling a lot on the Giants and Farhan and what their plan is. But Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he's back in midseason form answering questions about Jimmy Garoppolo. Listen to this back and forth here with reporters. Now, if you do not trade Garoppolo, there are two you know, dates. Would you plan to release him on August 30th on a roster cut, or would you keep him in the initial 15 days? Um, I don't know what I'll do that day. Probably decide when it comes. Like last time. We'll, should all be alive. Have you communicated much with him? Have you watched him throw? If you have, how does he look? I communicate with Jimmy all the time. He looks the same as he always has. He always throws really good, so looks the exact same. Do we see it anyway, a backup, backup, backup scenario if someone gets hurt? Could he be on this team? I mean, I think any scenario is possible. <laughs> it's like he answers questions like he's a teenager who's getting inter- interrogated by his parents about the girl that he's seeing. Hey, when are you going to see her next? I don't know what I'll do that day. Probably decide when it comes. <laughs> It's like, what? What? Yeah, no, I see your office. She looks great. Yeah. I communicate with Jimmy all the time. He looks the same as he always has. He always throws really good. So looks the exact same. Yeah, whatever. My point is, and I said this yesterday to close out the show, and I'm going to say it again. Just cut bait with Jimmy. Cut bait with him. He goes to Seattle. Fine. Seattle does not have a good team. Even with Russell Wilson sticking with Seattle, I wouldn't think Seattle is a very good team. So, sure, you could sign with Seattle. I'm not scared of that. Like, open up a roster spot. You got depth at offensive line with guys like Jason Poe. I didn't get enough time to talk about the running back room. We'll talk about that on the other side. But there are two, or excuse me, on the other side. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But there are just too many roster spots to fill. 